I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. Welcome to the very first episode of Restaurant and Retail Revelations. I'm your host, Sydney Keita, and I am joined by my co-host, Julie Holkebauer, and we are so excited to talk to you a little bit about franchising and whether or not that's the right move for your business. But before we get into that, I was recently on a webinar where I actually forgot to tell folks on the re- webinar who I was <laughs> and don't want to you know, repeat that folly. So um, really quickly... I am the Marketing Communications Manager at Rebel Systems, which is one of the leading iPad cloud-based point of sales in the restaurant and retail space. And it is just so exciting to be so close to restaurants and retailers in particular, because who doesn't love to eat and shop? I know I'm a really big fan. And before we dive into introducing our esteemed guest for this episode, I wanted to quickly jump over and have my co-host Julie introduce herself. Thanks so much, Sydney. And I'm Julie Holkebor. I'll be co-hosting alongside Sydney. I also work on the marketing team at Revel, focusing on corporate communications. And I'm really excited to have the chance to dive deeper into a topic that I think resonates so much to to a lot of our clients here at Revel. Um, So yeah, Sydney, I'll pass it back to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Julie. So today we actually have a clip from a recorded call with Steve DeSutter, Julie's going to tell you a little bit more about Steve and the expertise that he brings to the industry, specifically in the franchising and corporate franchising space. But we're just excited to have had the opportunity to talk with him. He is an an important and busy guy. And even though he's very humble about both of those aspects, uh, he has just a wealth of knowledge from his time and experience in the industry. And so with that, Julie, tell us a little bit more about Steve's background and what we'll be hearing today. Yes, Steve brings with him more than 45 years of experience across both franchising and corporate operated quick service restaurants, and most recently served as the CEO of Focus Brands. So to Sydney's point, we're just excited to have his expertise and to be able to share that. And I think what I really appreciate is that he's going to share advice for both new and experienced franchisers. So you don't have to already have 50 locations live to appreciate some of the insights that, that Steve's going to share. In fact, today we're going to focus on one of the great questions for all franchisers, which is to franchise or not to franchise. Yeah, I think you, you really have to take a hard look at the bigger picture and you know think about what your franchise is going to look like once it matures. And Steve really has, you know, the insights and the experience to be able to hopefully help you understand and and qualify those things. So without further ado, thank you so much for bearing with us on the first intro we've ever recorded for this podcast. And here is Steve. Um, I, I have some experience across a variety of industries, uh, both owned. Uh, my very first management job in my early 20s was in a multi-unit business that I was fortunate enough to double over two or three years, and it was a pure commodity business. And so I learned how important trust and reliability were because that was the only thing that differentiated me from the guy down the road. 
Um, that will not be an unimportant comment when it comes to your consideration for franchising because your ability to build trust and maintain, maintain trust with independent operators will be a really important component. You'll see me touch on that uh, over and over again. The other thing you ought to know is that I've been related, uh, responsible for in very senior roles, including the CEO of Focus Brands, of, of very large franchising organizations. Burger King's international business was in 35 countries. Of uh, Focus Brands had 2,000 independent uh, owner operators, franchisees across seven brands. But each of those seven brands had very different characters. So a few of the examples I will pull for you today will be across smaller brands and larger brands, more mature. And, and if, if you don't take away anything, especially if you're really thinking about franchising seriously, or if you're already in the franchising, a lot of my comments are going to reflect on what it might look like in 10 or 15 years from today. Because how it looks in the early days and how franchising models look for your business is they mature change over time. And that's something that's hard to see if you're in the middle of franchising yourself today. Um, unless you've been in this industry, you don't get a chance to see what they look like when they've matured. For instance, the Burger King business when I joined it had been mature. It had been around since the 1950s. Um, uh, it had, uh, it, it at one time was actually larger than McDonald's. Most people don't know that. It was global. It was incredibly matured. And it was owned by a big conglomerate, uh, corporate structures that kept handing it off to the next person. And it couldn't keep a senior executive in the seat more than two years back in those days. And so it was full of a lot of turmoil. And that turmoil allowed me to understand a lot about what happens with franchises in transition. Now that won't happen to you today if you're young and new in this business, but it is something to think about because it has a lot to do with your strategy. Some of the th essential things to figure out. So, First of all, the big question for 75% of you today is, should I? Um, is franchising for me? Um, and it's not for everyone. And more importantly, it's not for every business model. So I've been successful. Uh, my teams have been successful. Let me be clear. I've been lucky to have been able to have people around me who were really talented. And so my teams were incredibly successful in in company-owned operations where we took a business over six years, we quadrupled the earnings, and we took the stock from 10 bucks to 80 bucks. Um, that was wonderfully successful financially. If you're an owner, that sounds exciting. Um, that was a company-owned operation with thin margins, but we did the right things to win. And I've also taken franchise brands like Focus Brands who grew dramatically over the six years we were there, and it was a growing business when I got there. A lot of the team that had done that was still there. I was just lucky to be with them. We continue to grow that business. And so both models can work, but your particular business model, the business model of your concept um, can affect the success of franchising, whether you should be company ops or owned ops. Second point of consideration, um, if, you're, if you're a founder, and um, my guess is that you either are on this call because you work for someone who's in a founder organization or you are a founder, about 75% of you, maybe more, even those who are already franchising. There are certain things that are really important to you. And by the way, uh, things that I deeply, deeply appreciate as an executive because I was never a founder. I was, um, I, I was very fortunate to have worked with founders. I worked in convenience retail business 
uh, with a, the founding family. And although we were publicly traded, we had the culture and the values and what I call the noble mission that that founder was on. And I understood how important that culture permeated the delivery of how we serviced our, our guests. And so preserving that to founders is very important. In fact, I find founders to have uh, really two things about them that, that are fairly religious. And one is, um, does the, the changes we make uh, make our brand better? Uh, and in other, in other words, they make it better for the guests because there's a reason why you believe in your brand and you believe it's the best it can be for your guests. And two, um, can, it be can it be executed by operators? And uh, that, those are things that you're paying really close attention to. And not only did I see that in the, in the convenience store business, I saw it at places like Annie Ann's, uh, one of our focus brands, brands that was just one generation being removed from the founder of Ann or the Cinnabon business that still had the original founding family member, one of the, the son and the father who, who started that business and franchise was still involved in the business and still on an advisory board. And so ha having those relationships and those brands reminded me of the essential, the essential views of how founders work hard to preserve their noble mission in their brand. That's easier to do candidly, in an owned operation than it is in a franchise operation. Not impossible, it can be done, but it does add a level of complexity and so it's a consideration. How important is that to, do, to, to you and can you execute it? Third thing that I would point out as a consideration, this is also very important. Um, do you know exactly, does your brand know um, the answer to these questions exactly why where and how you win in a competitive marketplace. You really need to have that nailed if you're thinking about developing your franchise. Those of you on this call that are already in the franchising have already run into that and you know that to be true because immediately your franchisees look to you as the expert. And as an expert, you need to know more than we were successful probably in one concept. You probably needed your concept out there in multiple locations and probably in at least multiple different kinds of markets or environments to really be able to answer these questions before you're ready for prime time and rapid expansion in franchising. Um, Next point I'd like to make under, under considerations, and I'm gonna go a little long-winded, but I think these are important to you strategically. Um, look, the desire to franchise is usually driven by the desire to expand rapidly, reduce your risk as a, as a capital investor, as an owner, your firm's uh, risk, um, enjoy higher cash flow margins. And I know that because I saw the kind of cash flow margins that we enjoyed um, at Focus Brands and at Burger King versus the owned operations of the convenience store business. They're very different. Uh, and, and those are very attractive and, uh, and certainly uh, important to you. You wanna reduce um, the amount of investment on your part, and that's really important too. But here's the caution. And this is a kind of a caution as you move down the road. You don't, we won't necessarily feel it at the beginning of franchising, but you're going to eventually feel it. And that is that it might mean limited capital on your part, but does not mean limited capital. Same amount of capital to run into, to establish and grow company operations or owned operations and franchise operations is pretty much identical. It's just that 
who has the loan, who goes to the bank. You need to be just as concerned about their return on capital as you would as if it were your own. So you don't get to divest yourself from that return on capital at all because every because the, the return on capital that um, your owner operator as a franchisee have will will determine how well they'll deliver your brand or how fast they will grow or how well they'll be able to hit the targets that you and they have agreed. Um, I touched on this before. I'm going to come back on it one more time to say you also need to ask yourself this question. Um, and, uh, and some of you who are in the earlier days of franchising already know this one to be true too. And the question you have to ask yourself is, is it in your DNA to be, a, to be, a, to be an owner of a franchise business? Because it's different. Your governance um, is no longer because you're the boss or you're the owner or you walk in and everybody knows you and every one of your units is there's there's Charlie or there's Susan or there's Samuel or whoever and, and, and straighten up because our boss, our owner is here. Um, it's very different when you walk into an operation that's owned by somebody else and they may not even recognize the, the employees, shift managers, a general manager at that location might even not, not know who you are. And so are you ready to manage through, um, through oftentimes legal agreements, which is not is enjoyable is managing through personal influence and understand uh, also that there are some things that you can enforce and some things that you cannot enforce. Uh, and in your brand, um, uh, understanding that talking to peers, uh, looking for other resources to try and build that list up front and say, what is it that I can reinforce and what can't I understanding where your liabilities start and stop. That's really important because if you're really searching to do risk reduction and understand that, yes, you do reduce some risk, but there are regulatory moves, federal regulatory moves and questions with the National Labor Relations Board around a thing called joint employer that, that have been kind of set aside under the last administration for the last four years. And I think, I think they will come back to the fore and be discussion points again going forward. And what joint employer effectively means, and this is the non-lawyer speaking, so ask your attorney or ask some labor attorneys or ask people at the, at, the, at, the, um, at the IFA about this, do your research on this and understand where it's going. But the suggestion would be that you as a franchisor have some responsibility and potential liability in the behaviors uh, uh, and the actions of your franchisees, especially as it affects employment and employment conditions uh, for their employees. Um, just understand that's a, that's a potential reality. Um, it's, it's had its fits and starts, but I, I suspect that there may be new momentum. I can't predict the future, but if there is, it would have an influence for me of wondering what, how excited I wanna be about going down the franchise path, or at least understanding how would I work within that environment in a franchise path so that I'm not crossing the line and, and being seen um, as a joint employer. My final comment and consideration is a, is a comment you probably half of you have heard of a guy named Stephen Covey, maybe all of you have, and it's the idea of, if, of um, starting with the end in mind. And so uh, if you're an owner operator, um, what's the end game for you? Um, is the idea of my business to make it a generational business. I want to be able to hand it off to my, my, my children, somebody in my family, 
I want them to be able to run it and someday hand it off to, to their, uh, their offspring or, or some other member in some other shape and form. That can affect how you think about whether you want a franchising model or an owned company model. Um, only because the dynamics of franchising are regulated outside of your control and they're gonna constantly be changing. They're gonna be the subject of, of probably policy volleyball from time to time. Okay, it's all part of the reward that you get with the risk. You want high margins, you also take some risk. But just understand there's a balance there and think through that. Think about what your end game is. If your end game is an end game of, I wanna, I wanna build this business for 10 years to name your number, 50 units, 200 units, 1,000 units. And then I wanna sell it to somebody. That uh, may well be uh, better for you to think uh, more heavily about taking the risk or, or whatever risk associated with franchising and jumping into franchising because franchising models uh, generate higher cash flow multiples as a rule. You can figure that out by looking at the stock market yourself. Go pick five companies that are uh, company owned restaurant models today and look at their multiple of cash flows or their multiple of earnings versus uh, franchise models. And you'll see the multiples are usually significantly different. Not always, there are some exceptions like Shake Shack but generally they're significantly different. And so if you want a higher return, franchising produces very nice and high returns uh, for you as a, as a seller uh, down the road. Ending on return on investment is such a perfect tie-in for marketers like you and me, Julie. Um, you know, that's something that we're constantly looking at as we try to figure out the best usage of our time and talents. And of course, that extends beautifully to franchisers. Yeah. And, you know, my hope is certainly that anyone that's had the chance to listen to some of Steve's insights from today, whether you're just getting started um, or you already have a few locations up and running and, and you're, you're a successful franchiser, uh, that you're, you're, you're left feeling pretty inspired. Thanks for tuning in. We wanna give a very special thanks to the people that make these episodes possible. Our producer, David Gamber, another esteemed colleague on the marketing team, and of course, guest speaker, Steve DeSetter. None of these episodes would be possible without Rebel Systems, the employer who makes the magic happen at the end of the day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Restaurant and Retail Revelations and check back soon for new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm.